It's a film with three brains. 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 Oh my god, you guys are freaks. Oh. Ooh. Are you okay? Oh. Oh, God. Ooh. Oh, God. Oh. 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 Oh, God. Oh, yeah, right there. I'll have what she's having. Before we start, I had this weird brain fart, and it's still apparently uh, still farting along. I can't remember the order we introduce ourselves in. It's so odd. <laughs> the, less started, you, the less you think about it, the better. Well, it's the I person started, who starts. I started thinking about it, and I was like, "Wait, is there? Is there? Do we? Are no? We, well, yeah. I always go last, and it's the order, unless I'm in the person. It's the person whose movie it is." Right, yeah. but then who, what about the I next two? I think I'm two? usually in the middle. I think I the second usually... the second person is one of you two, and I'm always the third person. Yeah, I know, but like, is it? I mean, is it in the order? Do we are, have so, we yeah, been, I, have we been introducing ourselves in the order in which we pick our movies? No. So no, like, whose pick is all. this? It's mine. This is Sean's pick. So yeah, you'll be second, and Sam will be last. So we always go me, Sam, Sean. No, 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 the person always... whose movie it is always announces it. <laughs> no, no, I know, but then after. I, then it's I you or the... Sean, and I always go last. Yeah, I always go, I go second unless it's mine. That's my thing. Sam goes last unless it's his. And then you are the wild card, I guess. You I go don't... first. <laughs> See, I know. I don't understand how this worked out because I thought about it, like, wait, what order do we do it? How it's <laughs> always the same. Is it? Yeah. At least... I'm always last unless it's my movie. Sean's always second unless it's his movie. So I'm a floater. You're always first and second. <laughs> yeah, we've never broken that rule for some reason. I don't we know how. It's crazy. So whose pick is this? Mine. Sean's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah, are we starting? Should we just <laughs> explain to our listeners why, how crazy this... You'll need a slide rule and... Uh, it's so odd. Well, how, how's your algebra? You know, <laughs> I don't. I guess I never really thought about it before. Cohen grabs his microphone and hops on a train going west at twelve miles an hour. <laughs> Sean is in Chicago looking for his headphones. Yeah, <laughs> and gets in a Volkswagen Jetta heading east. It's thirty-two miles an hour. <laughs> All right, should we begin? Yeah, I think that... we already did. <laughs> Well, let's let's uh, make it official. Okay.
Hello and welcome to The Film with Three Brains. This is Sean in Chicago. And Cohen in Maplewood, New Jersey. And Sam in San Francisco. See? It's like clockwork. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. um, We are going to do a movie called When Harry Met Sally, 1989, directed by Rob Reiner. And um, where do we start with this one? I don't know. I mean, it's... uh, I guess why I picked it, I, I mentioned last time, it's a comfort pick. It's sort of the, I had a well-worn VCR copy back in the day, or v, VHS copy, whatever you want to call it. Um, sure. Uh, let and, me interrupt real quick. Sure. We have a guest who claims this is one of their favorite movies. Oh. What? Yes. Sweet. I mean, that's not a crazy declaration. I mean, it's a pretty fantastic film. Well, I'm more flabbergasted. We have a guest. I don't. I'm always excited about that. Cool. Um, you there? I am. Yeah. Should I start recording? All right. Yeah. Start recording. Uh, okay. Chris, this is Cohen and Sean. Cohen and Sean. It is Chris. Hey, Chris. <laughs> hey, guys. Chris? Hey, is this the Sean I know? It is. Hey, good to be talking to you again. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. It's been. So, um. I got to before we get into why Chris thinks this, this is one of his favorite movies and all that. Um, I got to ask you too. Did did you think it was going to be a guy who I was adding to the call? I did. Oh. I don't know why. Uh, I don't oh, know. Wait. I okay, wait. That far. <laughs> Hang on, guys. My audio recording this isn't working. We've got you. Yeah, we've. Yep. Okay. We've got redundancies in place. Excellent. <laughs> We're very, very professional. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We're buttoned up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, welcome. We're always glad to have a fellow brain join us, especially one who's excited about the movie that we randomly picked. It was, um, I mean, it's sort of random, but I, I've always liked this movie. Um, and I've always, I just watch it a lot and, uh, Never seem to get tired of it. I would go out on the limb and say that this is the one movie out of our 73 picks so far that the most, the highest percentage of people would say they like or that it is a good film. Hmm. Maybe, well, I, com- maybe competing with The Princess Bride. <laughs> and that's and a stiff competition. That's a stiff competition. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, well, and the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes, an hour of the duck, I'm sure. An hour well, the duck, sure. I just said the stuff because I'm actually wearing that T-shirt right now. <laughs> well, this is great. You guys are putting me at uh, at ease because I thought I'd have to come in here and defend this film. What? It sounds like uh, no. It sounds like we've already got uh, the audience is already partway there. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. So, why is it one of your favorite films? You know, it's funny uh, thinking about this. So, it's it's uh, it's. It's a great lesson in probably half the power of a film is when you see it, like what age you see it at, right? Hmm. Like the fact that I saw Star Wars at five years old, 1977, right? Lucky. And, right, exactly. I mean, I didn't realize about how, uh, how fortunate I was. It hit me at just the right time, right? So I get it. If you see Star Wars for the first time and you're 35, you're like, okay, hey, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. But no, it was life-changing when you see it at five. So sure. the same thing, right? I mean, I, I saw this movie in 1989. I was 17, right? And I was growing up in a, a, a little dairy town in Northern California, right? The, the biggest club in our 
high school was the Future Farmers of America. Oh, mm-hmm. so, same, same as us, right? right. <laughs> in, in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine that, okay, here I'm 17 and, and uh, you know, looking to want to go on to college and, you know, uh, hey, it's, it, where, where I grew up is a great place, wonderful place, but I'm looking forward to get out and see the world, right? And I'm trying to figure out, you know, girls, women, who, you know, these, these strange, you know, enticing creatures, right? And boom, <laughs> right? I'm in a movie theater and then bam, I get hit with When Harry But Sally and, you know, here's this like relationship story I've never seen before on screen, right? And, and like, Harry Burns is my, my sensei, my master, you know, giving me all these tips about relationships with women, right? That explains things. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, exactly. And then, you know, the, but the other aspect, like seeing it now, you know, seeing it, you know, 30 some odd years later, is I also realized that I think why it resonated was it was this aspirational lifestyle, right? This is New York City, mm-hmm. right? The big city, urbane professionals, political consultants and lawyers and, you know, people who like, you know, fall for each other because they've read each other's books, right? Like that was not the world I was growing up in, right? But I was like, that, this is a cool, you know, yet Harry Connick Jr. is your soundtrack, right? It's a cool world. So yeah, it just hit me, you know, 17 years old and, and I was like, man, you know, and, and besides, I mean, it's, it's Meg Ryan, right? Kind of at her peak. How can you go wrong? Mm-hmm. So I guess we're lucky that this was the film that taught you a lot about life, not uh, Porky's. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a little from column A, a little from column B is really kind of my, my, my approach to relationships. Yeah. I I, I think I'd, um, I'm in your category of, of this was aspirational, sure, professionally, but also um, as a as, relationship wise i mean this was because i did see porkies and it scared the shit out of me (laughs) i was like what is going on is this is this how high school is is this what is going you know so i was much much more drawn to this kind of yeah witty you know witticisms and and sort of light light lightly handled um subject i mean you know they're they're heavy subjects but you know we can we can laugh about them because we're all adults and we're, you know, although <laughs> we're not adults, they start at 21, which is kind of crazy. Right. Yeah. Their oh, yeah. trajectory is pretty fast. But I don't, Billy Crystal as a 21 year old is pretty funny. <laughs> oh yeah. Because well, he, I, I don't think he was ever young. I mean, even when he was probably 21, he probably still looked like he was 40. <laughs> well, fun fact. So I looked up uh, afterwards. I was curious. Right. Uh, and so at the time they filmed this, Meg Ryan was 28. Mm-hmm. Billy Crystal was 41. Yeah. Hmm. Yikes. So, you know, I think he did pretty well playing a 21-year-old, right, uh, given that age gap. But, yeah, he wasn't – He wasn't. it was a hard sell. <laughs> what I noticed this time around was his wig when he's 21 yeah. has, has some premature gray hairs in it <laughs> that aren't present like five years later. So either he dies later or they, <laughs> they messed up in wardrobe. But, I mean, it's, it's pretty – subtle it's like yeah a hint of gray hair there well i'd love to know whether it was his acting choice or in the in the script or rob reiner you know the idea of the grapes and then spitting out the seed against the window (laughs) i know Mm -hmm. i mean what what, what a great what a great character intro huh (laughs) (laughs) prim and proper meg ryan yeah uh (laughs) since you're mentioning that scene that was um as the resident chicago person i have to point out that the University of Chicago is on the south side, so it'd be pretty tricky to get 
all the way north and then come down Lakeshore Drive. As <laughs> picturesque as that is, it's a little weird. Um, yeah. But I bet there's probably some of those that New totally, York things. I mean, that's why I couldn't stand the movie. I was like, this is so geographically inaccurate. Yeah. How could I like the rest of it? Yeah, just broke the fourth wall. It was just horrible. Well, I mean, if we're going to be nitpicking about locations, I found it I found it odd that, you know, and uh, all these years they spend in New York and no one ever once mentions or makes reference to the subway, which I thought was pretty odd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I, 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 I'm impressed that uh, you know Wisconsin guys during the call I can can tell the difference, right? About oh, well, they didn't, they didn't show this part about Chicago versus New York. You know, when I saw it, to me, it was like these are just big cities somewhere. Yeah. The East, well, sure. I, had, I had no idea. Yeah. So I think that I think the last time I saw it was I mean I lived in New York for 20 years, but the last time I saw this was probably before that. So it's always it's always interesting for me to watch to watch movies that take place in New York after having not seen them. Having seen them last before I moved there, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always interesting to just sort of, you know, you see places you recognize that, you know, you didn't the first time you saw it. Uh, it's sort of, but it also sort of steals the magic from it a little bit too. You know, when you're younger and you see movies that take place in what you consider to be exotic places, which New York was to me before I moved there. And then later watch it again and you're like oh yeah i've been there <laughs> or whatever you know yeah well the movie yeah. also sets a high bar i mean i do think yeah. it was probably the, the new york uh, uh board of tourism you know sure, was helping sure. a little bit with the funding extremely idealized getting, <laughs> yeah you're getting, you know, new, new york during that one week in fall when the, when the <laughs> right, trees right. are bright red maple, everything's right? beautiful and, it doesn't look like yes. people are smelling piss at all you <laughs> exactly know? no nobody no homeless people around nowhere you know mm-hmm. no trash yeah <laughs> yes i i occurred to me that 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 is probably by design um of course we you know like yeah there's they're in central park and there's not anybody in view um, <laughs> yeah but i think that's that's because at least i like to think that that they're so attentive that they realized that new york new york can also be a very lonely place sure. especially when yeah. you know yeah and to sort of push that dynamic because i because i do even now feel like this is a fairly lonely movie. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You don't have any sense of the crowd of New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in, 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 it's because it's, it's, now seeing it, yeah, it's 30 years later, right? It's, yeah, I think now we're all so much more familiar with the, the genre uh, tropes, right? You know, kind of mm-hmm. the conventions of genre. But I didn't. I didn't know any of those right sure. when I first saw it. So mm-hmm. now I can look back on it, having seen many other films, and you go, "Oh, well, this is a romantic comedy of a certain type, which is you know, good-looking people living you know affluent professional lifestyles. It's, it's like right. Friends, right? The mm-hmm. TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a that's a certain genre, and people like watching attractive people, you know, having entertaining banter with each other mm-hmm. in gigantic New York City apartments, mm-hmm. right? But the time <laughs> yeah. I didn't, right? But the time I didn't know that, I was like, wow. So I think I really got caught up in the that aspirational side of it, right? Sure. And yeah, you get to see the best of New York City without any of the of the dark side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that really kind of took off, though. I mean, that, like Seinfeld started started about this time, you know, and that's sort of mm-hmm. sort of a, a similar sort of um, relationship with the city. It's sort of like, okay, yeah. well, we only care about these people that we know and mm-hmm. and everybody else is sort of a stereotype or, a, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. an anecdote of some, of some kind. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the thing that sets When Harry Met Sally apart is just how goddamn 
good the screenplay is, you know? Absolutely. It's so well written. And then, you know, uh, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal, just their chemistry is just fantastic. You know, they're, they're so good together on screen. It's just, they, you know, they bring such a good script to life. Even, even bad actors with no chemistry probably would have made a pretty good movie because of how good the script is. But any, any, any moments that really kind of jumped out for you as just, you know, chef's kiss? Well, I mean, it, it's kind of a cop out to say the end, but mm. it's kind of true. I mean, the ending is so damn good, you know, I mean, the line, the line, the line he has, you know, she's like, why, why are you here? You know, it's New Year's Eve. Isn't that a little cliche? And he's like, well, the reason I'm here is because when you finally realize, you know, who the person is you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to begin as soon as possible. What a great fucking line, you know? Mm-hmm. And like those two together doing that scene, it's just, it's so good. You know, of course the diner scene, you know, I mean, that's maybe, maybe the more obvious one, but. Yeah. I mean, uh, Chris was saying about tropes. I think that this movie started many of the tropes, but they did sure. it, the, you know, pretty much everyone else was chasing them afterward. But I think that's, yeah. like you said, the the way that the the big speech at the end feels natu- the natural quality to it mm-hmm. is what sold it for me. I mean, he, sure. yeah, so he says that line and then he keeps going. Mm-hmm. It, like, it seems so spontaneous. Like, he, like he's just saying, he's just stream of consciousness. This is what he's, you know. And then as romantic comedies evolved, it, it seemed like everyone had to have this kind of speech mm-hmm. one way or the other. Sometimes it was the woman, sometimes it's the man. But, you know, people got kind of caught up in that. And then, and no one ever, I can't think of any that did, did it this well. Yeah. yeah. Well, part of that the reason that speech sells so perfectly, is not only is it written well, but they set him up the whole movie is being someone who just starts talking, <laughs> you know, whether yeah. it's in the car, the, from the very beginning in the car, like he will just fill empty space with conversation and that she doesn't need, like... So once he starts going off at that last scene with all the reasons why he likes her, it just sounds like him being him. Like you're used to him at that point. Yeah. And it just it just works. Uh, well, that's a good, that's a great point too because you know, you're, to your point, Sal. I mean, there's a, one of the scenes that jumped out at me this time seeing it was, you know, he unloads right on Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby right about the the oh, you know, yeah. that's that stupid wagon wheel right, <laughs> and then he runs out, and 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 Meg Ryan basically you know sits him down and says, you know, Harry, you've got to learn not to say the first thing that comes into <laughs> your head, yeah. right? Yeah. So like that that aspect of his personality isn't just shown to us multiple times. Like she, you know, she puts a lampshade on it, right? She kind of calls it out, but then that very trait of his which gets him in trouble sometimes is what makes that scene very you know genuine and compelling right because he's yeah. not he's not a salesman smooth talker he's just saying what comes to his his mind yeah. yeah 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 and i would argue that that is the moment their relationship begins officially because it's their first fight and it's also the first time they they can't just laugh it off like they're you know they they say whatever they want to each other and they talk about other people and all that stuff but this is the first time it actually mattered yeah you yeah know? He runs into his ex-wife in a city of 8 million people. You're bound to run into your ex-wife. So, boom, it happens. You know? So, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, I guess that's not not that important. But I also feel like you subconsciously almost start seeing the the, the nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess maybe, well, you, you know, you can pick it up earlier than that. But Well, as you said, I mean, the acting is so good, right? Because, yeah. you know, he... He, you know, 
unloads on her, right? She says, I don't have to listen to this, right? And then he he says, you know, I'm sorry, right? But he yeah. delivers it so quickly. Like you, know, you kind of expect a long pause, him to think about it, right? But just the timing of his delivery is like it's it's it caught me off guard, right? Because it didn't feel Hollywood, right? Yeah. But it worked. Because mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of his character. He's a very fast thinker, right? Yeah. And he, you know, he he realized as she was talking, he already realized he screwed up. And he was ready with his apology, kind of chambered and ready to go. You know? And it just it just felt like, okay, yeah, that's Harry, right? And it just yeah. sold it. Yeah. And you know, like you said, the, the performances are so good and you know, Bruno Kirby and, and um Carrie and Fisher. Carrie Fisher you know they're they're both really great too like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when they do their first double date <laughs> and they separate <laughs> off and they're like uh oh you know he's very vulnerable and i wouldn't do anything tonight yeah. oh no of course no and, then they, and they say the same thing and then, yeah, he goes i'm tired of walking i'll get a taxi <laughs> i'll come with you great and they just jump and leave i love that scene <laughs> Well, and then what it leads to, right? With I mean that 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 right. you know, incredible scene. Uh, I was watching it with with uh, you know my, my girlfriend, and she was you know, she just said it's like a it's like a it's like a musical, you know, just yeah. the way that they, the way they interleave mm-hmm. the um, the dialogue in that scene where you know when Harry and Sally uh, do sleep <laughs> together, they call, and you've got that yeah. like that four pain <laughs> scene. Right with four characters all talking and just mm-hmm. you know rapid fire like an Aaron Sorkin drama, right? But it's 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 incredibly artfully done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of makes me nostalgic for actual phones too, like <laughs> ringing <laughs> phones that you pick up near the bed. It's two yeah. lines, one for each, you know. Yeah, the scene of of Sally looking over and listening to the answering machine. As he's uh, recording his voice on it, singing into right. it, you know, with right. his with the with the karaoke machine with the tape cassette she put into it, you know, it's like all this old tech, you know, from the sharper image which no longer exists. Yeah. So, Sal, how about you? What what did you you know seeing it? When when, when did you first see it? So I saw this back when it came out, and then I don't think I've seen it since. So. I, I definitely have not seen this past 1995. If I if I saw it maybe on a, a VHS or something, but I have not seen it since. So um, I still really enjoyed it. I think it's I think it really says something. Like to me, that's it's it's the you've made a great comedy if you can watch it again and you know exactly is what what's coming and it still makes you laugh. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so. Like the restaurant scene, of course, is that scene. There were other things in the movie that are funny. Like there were little things like, you know, like V and I were watching it and, and mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to partake in your pecan pie. <laughs> and, like She sometimes talks like that. And she's like, I forgot it was from this movie. Like I still imitate that voice, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like, like, like just laughing out loud, even though you know exactly what's going to happen and you know the line right after it. Like I'll have what she's having. Like. And it's still funny. So it's like that, that, that to me alone says, okay, you made a movie that is funny the second, third and fourth time through, like yeah. you did it. Like that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I noticed watching him this time is, is, you know, the way he talks and goes off on his little tangents reminded me a lot of early Woody Allen movies. Yeah. Um, like an, of a better version of Woody Allen, like not as like negative and self-loathing and, in that but or more fun version maybe but it totally reminded me of like a annie hall sort of like like 
pacing to the way he talked and that, which I mm-hmm. would have no way it made a, that reference, you know, as a teenager. Right. Um, right. Uh, but I thought this movie stood up really well. And, sure. and so then I, and of course I have to go online and, and read about it. And uh, one of the things that came up is like a few years ago, Rolling Stone did a top 50 romantic comedies ever. Well chosen. And this was number one. Yeah. So it's like, you know, decades later, it's still number one. You know that, so it's it's one of those things like, you know, we we won't review Star Wars because we know everybody loves Star Wars. But I think when Harry Met Sally isn't, it might be the Star Wars of romantic comedies. But it actually, to us, everybody knows it. But I actually think that because so much of our our listening audience is in their teens and twenties, that they they probably missed out on this movie. And they they're hopefully going to go see it now that we're reviewing it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great descriptor the star wars of romantic comedies <laughs> the, the movie that launched a bunch of other imitators some some you know some quality some not but uh it's, you know, uh, it's, it's funny that you you made that comparison because when they released it in you know a limited number of venues as they used to do um per theater the only thing that beat it at that point was star wars hmm. and then of course it was a word, word of mouth and then it, it did great um but i think it was it was up against like batman Oh, yeah, 1989. Um, yeah. Yeah. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, I believe. Some stiff uh, competition, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, in, in, in thinking about the movies of that era, because I was I, – I, how it hit me. Again, here's here's a, a relationship movie of a kind I've never seen before, right? And it, it, was, it was very uh, gobsmacking you know, for me, right, to see two people relate. And I, so I, I – look like you know like you're talking about what were the other movies i had seen before this like where was i getting my relationship models from and i'm looking at okay top gun lethal weapon <laughs> dangerous uh, liaisons there you go. <laughs> fatal attraction and of course who framed roger rabbit so th- these are the relationship models right, right uh, of course this. so if that's if that's yeah so this this is a very different kind of relationship film um I thought you were going to say Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that witty, witty banter in the, yes. in the Falcon. Mm-hmm. What's um, what's interesting about well, when you when Sam you said um, when you were introducing Chris, you were like, you know, could this be a woman or a man guest? And I, the one of the reasons I wasn't surprised or what wouldn't be shocked either way is because they. You know, um, Rob Reiner wrote it with Nora Ephron, or I should say, you know, he helped Nora Ephron write it. It was her script for sure. Uh, it was uh-huh. her idea. I think. Well, I'm not sure who who had the idea. Or what, but them um, sort of putting their, both of their perspectives into it is what makes it really relatable for just about everyone. Yeah. Or sh- I would think. Well, also, like they really, they really sort of nailed a very key idea that has probably flummoxed people since the beginning of time about, and it's true. Like, can men and women be truly friends? Well, you know, and it, 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 it's an interesting dilemma that people probably disagree on. Not just men and women, but men and men, women and women, whatever, you know, like, right. And it, it's a complicated thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's funny because you know, I think what what I remembered from the film seeing it the first time was, of course, the 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 young twenty one year old Harry Burns. He's like, no, no way, it can never happen. You know, the sex right. is always there, right? Mm-hmm. 
but watching it again here, you know, I, again, I haven't seen it in 15 years until I saw it uh, the other night, is, is you know, even 26-year-old Harry, you know, five, just five years later, uh, when they run into each other, right, and she's dating the, the lawyer, they run into each other at the airport, right, and they're mm-hmm. on that walkway. That yeah. And she says, you know, you said men and women could never be friends. He's like, well... Okay, you know, amendment, right? You know, caveat. You know, if they're both in a relationship with other people, right? You know, and he was already beginning to kind of backtrack on yeah. that kind of just outright black and white assertion of his 21-year-old self. You know, and then you kind of see him at 31. So I just think it was, it's, it's an interesting question, but I think even the movie itself, uh, you know, doesn't come down hard one way or the other. But, you know, what do you guys take from it? Well, I mean, given that, the only two couples or the only two sort of men, women relationships that we are sort of allowed to see in the film for the most part, they both end up get, you know, be together, which is Bruno Kirby and, and Carrie Fisher and, and Harry and Sally. I suppose it's sort of, it's sort of it has its cake and eats it too, because they spend many years as friends before they get together. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of it sort of proves both sides. But to, to your point, it, but, but to your point, it is a question that you know, certainly uh, you know many people you know think about and wrestle with. Right? Sure, right, and uh, you know this this definitely this movie struck a chord, right? Yeah, because it's I don't I don't think uh, many movies before it had really kind of looked at that question, right? <laughs> and certainly not as well, you know, not not as interestingly done and, and as well done and as well thought out and. and yeah. Well, that's the thing yeah. is they take that one question, they look at it every way because they test you. They're like, well, would you still be friends if the other person started dating someone? Would you still be friends if the other person married someone? Would you still, you know, would you still be friends if the other person divorced? Like they took that and, and kept going with it. And, um, you know, the, I think it's also interesting that she's the, she's the one who starts out saying, yes, they can definitely be friends. But she's also the one who is the, you know, he, he is the one who really pushes them to say, like, no, we're more than friends. You know, they, they, he, he, you know he was feeling it, but she was, she's the one who, who I think really pushed it forward mm-hmm. years later. And, I, and, of course, I love they already played that with the idea of, of, oh, I never said that. Oh, I would have never said that. You know, like, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Just to show how people change and what you remember and all that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe at the age of 18, it was, it was harder to have a woman just be a friend and, and not have interest because your circle, the, people, the amount of people you hang out with is so small. And, of course, you're at that age where you are looking to date people. Whereas when you're older and you're married, you're like, uh, hopefully you're like, yeah, I can have no problem being friends with all sorts of women. Cause I work with a ton of women and you know, so it's, 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 it's so that question doesn't have an answer that fits everyone at every time. I mean, it, I think the answer is yes, but it, there's going to be a lot of people who are at different spots who are like, no, clearly not. Right. Which makes it so much more fun. <laughs> I like that they they asked the actors themselves, and Meg Ryan said, yes, men and women can be just friends. I have a lot of platonic friends, and sex doesn't get in the way. And, and Billy Crystal 
upset. I'm a little more op- optimistic than Harry, but I think it's difficult. Men basically act like stray dogs in front of a supermarket, <laughs> 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 which is like him to be witty on, on demand like that. But sure. And then he says, I do have platonic women friends, but not best, best friends. <laughs> and I think um, if we can go into personal experience, I've I think I've had I've had a few cracks at it unsuccessfully in the end. I mean, you know, for a while, I think I've fit this pattern knowingly or unknowingly for you know, a couple of times where, you know, I've been friends with for a while, but eventually there's a quasi relationship happening or we don't know what hap- what's going to happen. And, it you know, it never really goes the way both people want it to go. But I was going to say, Sam, I think you've done it actually successfully, if I'm not mistaken. Would you, oh, would I have you say friends that's who are, Yeah, who have long term friends with women who there's nothing else to that in so, I think yeah. there's there's also there's there's a there's an angle to it that the that the the movie doesn't really get into and that's fine is that couples who cease to be couples who become great friends after. Hmm. Yeah, I've done that. What? Yeah, which I think is a little more is a little easier, a little more maybe I don't know if it's more common, but it's a little easier, you know, because all of that has already happened. Everything he talks about in the movie has already happened, mm-hmm. you know, so then you can kind of move on from there. Yeah, I mean, it's still problematic for the person, you know, it dep- you have to have a strong relationship in order to have extracurricular friendships anyway, I think. Yeah. So it really sure. comes down to the people involved. Yeah. But I, I think the the basic premise, I think Harry's take on it from the beginning is the most accurate because the sex thing will eventually always come up in one Mm -hmm. way or another. And like I said earlier, it's both people are probably not going to be happy with it. One, how it shakes out. Yeah. I think, yeah, agreed. I I do think there's always going to be that dynamic right between men and women. Um, but I also think what's, what's would be fun is to kind of, uh, shoot the film and then overlay kind of a, um, you know, blood plasma testosterone level. Right. At, 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 at the different stages in their life, right? Because you've got kind of you've got Harry, you know, age twenty one in the diner, right? And that that you know that that line is like up to the top of the screen, right? Of like raging hormones, and like he plays it great. Like basically, like they're like they're barely getting along at all, right? They're they're not they're not clicking as people. But then he's sitting there at the diner, and all of a sudden he gets this look on his face, and he's like, "You are unquestionably attractive." <laughs> or something yeah. that line, right? Em- and like empirically, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Empirically tracked. I mean, you know, he's just he's you know raging horn dog, right? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, and he's just he's you know he's in that mode. And then you know, when I, I remember when I watched it, it's you know seventeen. You know, she gets all upset. You're making a pass at me, and he's like, oh, you know, it's, you know he backs away. And at seventeen, I read it as. Uh, oh yeah, no, he wasn't making a pass at her. He was just being objective, right? You know, she's mm-hmm. attractive. Watching it now, <laughs> he kind of was, right? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and and you know, his line about so what if I was? You know, I take it back, right? I mean, he kind of acknowledges, yeah, I was, you know, making a pass at you, right? So so it's just kind of so I guess the what I'm trying to kind of say is that I think that yeah, I don't I don't know if there's a universal answer, right? To can men and women be friends? It's also I think it's a lot harder, right? to not let the mm-hmm. sex get in the way at different ages. Right? Sure. And then, yeah. 
you know, he kind of, he mellows, you know, he's, he's gone through a lot more life by the time he's in his thirties, he's been through a divorce, he's had these relationships. And so I think, you know, she's had other experiences. So I think it's easier for them to kind of maybe get past some of that, the yeah. sexual dynamic that's, that's hard when you're, you know, teenage. Yeah. basically. Yeah. And they, they, and they use the stereotype um, really well without making it feel like a stereotype that he just views sex as sex, where she views sex as, as intimacy and, and that comes up, you know, throughout throughout the movie, and she throws it back in his face when they have the argument, uh, you know, just after the wagon wheel scene. Um, and so there's there's also that element to it, you know, is is, you know, it, I, I don't know. I, I felt like as a teenager, a lot of the the elements that they have for them was a lot more true. Like this is how men think, this is how women think. As now at this age, I don't think that it's necessary that the way I think it's like oh that's how some people think and that's how some other people think but yeah I, I like how they how they do it I like that they that they throw that aspect into it yeah I also like how she you know mid-20s they're on the plane she she's you know reads the situation really quickly she goes you know you look like a normal person actually you're the angel of death <laughs> but then a moment later as soon as she's like oh he's like i'm getting married i'm madly in love she changed like everything switches for her she's like oh you know she thinks he's he's onto something he's he's grown you know and i think that's kind of you know to that male woman or sorry male female sort of aspirations or, or maturity you know there's <laughs> you can fake it a little bit, you know. Like he's in, he's engaged, so he's he's get, starting to get it, even though it's doomed and it's going to be a long, hard road for him. That that like you know the way that, that women pick up on that more quickly, or I should I should say, um, are you know <laughs> they'll ju they'll judge you on your actions, but also like okay, are you in a relationship? Have you been in relationships? You know, longer than a, a week or two? You know, like that sort of sure. thing. Sure. So he, he, his stock goes up in her eyes because right. someone else is willing to marry him. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. It's fair to be judged that way. I mean. Yeah, all do it. It's uh, understandable. Yeah, yeah. Sure. from from one never married person to another. Right. Exactly. That's right. That's right. I wasn't gonna go there, but yes, that's uh... judge away. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's it's, but it's it's funny because too, one thing that stuck with me this time, or stuck out to me this time, seeing it again now with from a different perspective is is. Early on, he's you know he's love him and leave him, and and he's got all these women passing his life, but you know he's actually you know, the one who's brokenhearted by his wife, his wife's infidelity, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's you know the whole story about you know Mister Zero knew right, and when he's with Bruno Kirby at the at the Giants game, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's he's basically like I got blindsided, you know, I'm with my wife, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden I find out she's sleeping with Ira. Right. I'm, I'm getting, I'm being divorced. So it's not, yeah, you know, I, I guess I hadn't noticed it earlier, but you know, Harry for all his angel of death side early on as a character, right. He's, you know, he commits and he, as far as we can tell, you know, he's all in with his wife, Helen, right. She's the one who dumps him. And then that later on, when you see how Harry has that wall with everybody, right. That emotional wall. And that, yeah, that, that scene where, they're lying in bed afterwards and she's like purring like a cat and he's like stone faced. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, he is walled off. Right. And it's kind of like, Oh, I hadn't quite seen that connection, you know, but he, you know, he really, he really got the, you know, 
his, right. his guts kicked out by that 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 marriage. <laughs> I always imagine that in that in that moment, he's also remembering the things that they had talked about, and that she should be going through this mental checklist, like, oh, well, this is what he does, you know, as she knows. Yeah. And then she's optimistic that oh no no like this this meant this meant something more. Meanwhile, he's freaking out because he's like oh well I, she knows she knows everything I she knows my whole shtick, <laughs> you know the andirons and the you know early squash game <laughs> yes. stuff like that. She knows yes. everything about like how I work operate. So he was extra scared because I think because of that because he had sort of let, let his guard down unknowingly or in a friendship vibe, and now it's all you know uh oh <laughs> all the cards are on the table now. That's re- I, yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't quite seen that, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like he's you know, he's he's got his he's got his kind of toolkit for how he extricates himself from this emotionally, typically, right? right? <laughs> someone, and he can't use that. You know, the Swiss Army knife's been knocked out of his hands. What am I going right. to do now, right, to get out of this? <laughs> yeah, and he was so rude about it earlier. He's like, you know, that, that's your problem. Somewhere between thirty seconds and all night is your problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, she could have thrown all that stuff in his face, but she's like, well, let's see what happens here. But there's so many subtle points, though, where it could have been cliched and they avoided it, right? Because to your point, you know, he's stone-faced, but I was really struck at her acting, right? She comes out and she's making herself a cup of tea, right, after they sleep together. And she's kind of smiling and she's like feeling good about it. But then she kind of pauses. She does something with her head. She's kind of like, you can kind of see her like, huh. That's true. Was that a, was that a good idea? Yeah. Right? And it was just such a nice because it, it would have been so cliche, like oh they finally sleep together, she falls in love with him, he has to come around to fall in love with her, right? But mm-hmm. for her, just those little subtle things where she's like, she was also kind of unsure about it and unclear about it, right? Yeah, right. Even even that 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 first moment, which I thought was just kind of neat. Yeah, and she's catching up to him as well because he's already had all this work. To, you know, he's been working on this. The whole time she's been sort of in denial that she's still not over Joe. Mm. And suddenly she, it comes to a head because she's like, Oh, well, I mean, she's, she knows, she knows why didn't, you know, why he didn't, didn't love me. Like that was the heartbreaking thing for her was that she knew it was all, uh, you know, she, it was confirmed all her deepest fears about that relationship. And even though she didn't care about Joe anymore, it was, it was her trying to figure out what, what's missing. What did I do wrong? You know, that's that soul searching that everyone does, you know, in the midst of relationship after relationship, you know, that's just part of the mm-hmm. process. Sure. Well, well, too, it's, 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 you're watching it now. It's, it's, it's not what someone else does to you. It's what you do to yourself. Yeah. Right. And, and she, she's crying and beating the, 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 the worst pain for her is what it's, what she's doing to herself. Right. It's not that Joe's getting married. Right, or he's marrying a paralegal that he just met. You know, she immediately takes that and immediately goes, you know, I drove him away. I was too difficult. I'm too structured. Right, all these things. So she's just basically it's all her insecurities come out. Yeah. Right, and that's you know that's what's where she's she's most in pain. Right, and that yeah you know, I, I I didn't see that when I was you know younger, but now it's like you know you just understand a little better how people work and. You know, that's, that's, and that's, you know, and, he, and he's so, you know, that, that's the fun scene, you know, as a friend, he's not denying it. Right. But he's like, you know, you're not difficult. You're challenging. Right. You know, and, and, and you know, he's, he's, you know, he, he's showing, he knows her really well. Right. But seeing her in the best possible way, which is kind of a neat, neat scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's being a good girlfriend to her, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it only goes so far. <laughs> 
And, and they, you know, there's a point if the film would have kept going without them getting together, where they jump ahead another ten years, where where they would have reached another point, maturity in their life, where they're like, well, I don't know why that problem, can't, why that person can't deal with my flaws, or so that <laughs> when you have that that next step, when you have that confidence of, well, I am who I am, and if it's it's not my fault, <laughs> it's their fault if they yeah. if they don't like it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, they uh, had a different, the script originally, I think, did not end up with them together. Did really? Anyone see that too? Yeah, yeah. No. Well, that would have been tough. That would have been interesting. I don't know how that would have quite worked out, but they both, I think, agreed that they needed, they needed something to happen other than them just not getting together. Yeah. That would have been the oddest couple than yet at the end. You know, like they had those interspersed couples, mm-hmm. right? Each of them telling the story of kind of how they found each other. That would have been yeah. a very odd final moment of, <laughs> you know, we were together for a year or two and they just, you know, we should have been friends. And so we divorced and now we're friends again. That would have yeah. been a really off-putting, I think, uh, <laughs> closer. <laughs> yeah. <what> a... <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, people that were, part, those little interviews were, were um, actual conversations that, I believe Nora Ephron picked up on from the production people. I mean, that there were these, you know, these, they, they reshot it with actors, but those are real, real stories that they, I think it was Nora, maybe it was somebody else, but I think it was Rob Reiner actually. Was it Rob Reiner? Okay. Collected, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Cause, cause those sound authentic too. I think those are really great. There's something about the, um, the de- how varied they are, like the, the guy yeah. that's been married a million times and how oh, just, yeah. he can't Roberta. remember anybody's name, Roberta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and what did I say? She's like, what are you doing after? You know, like she, <laughs> he can't even remember this great line, which was not great at all. And then, yeah. you know, like the, the, the guy that's, he's like, I'm Ben Small of the Coney Island Smalls. He, he barely has two words to say, but, you know, that works too. You know, like it's, I just love the variety of those stories. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad they did it with, with actors, though, because the, the comic delivery of some of those, right? I mean, you know, it, it, they probably were real vignettes, right? Real stories, but just there's some great comic delivery. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the woman, uh, you know, who's there with the uh, small, uh, Ben Small, the Coney Island Smalls, you know, and the, just her timing of, at that moment, I knew the way you know about a good melon. You know, like that was just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, what, what else kind of struck you guys when you first saw it and what else do you see differently seeing it now, right? I don't remember. I don't remember. I can't, I couldn't say when I saw it for the first time and I couldn't say when I saw it last. So I don't really knew. I don't, I, I don't know. Like nothing was a surprise watching it. I knew everything was going to happen. Um, I think the most surprising thing about it actually was when it was done is I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it still. Like I just kind of smiled through the whole thing and I laughed and I really enjoyed it. I didn't think too critically about it. I just got sort of sucked up into it and, and, you know, and just watched it, you know, without, without an eye for the critical at all. Once again, the star Wars of romantic comedies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think from, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's the sort of movie where when it was over, I, you know, I could see a world where if it was on cable or whatever, on some sort of, you know, uh, um, if it was on again, I could see myself just sitting there and watching it again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Was think it? that when I watched it back in the day, I I wouldn't I didn't get a lot of it, or I didn't get, you know I didn't tickle me the same way it does now. Like mm-hmm. just Carrie Fisher with the Rolodex, she's like married and she bends, she dog ears the, the car. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's that's so great. perfect. It's like oh, like obviously she's not throwing it away because that's her thing. Married men, you know, like yeah. I mean, I I you know you you can get that, but like just all the little back and forth, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For God's sake, Marie, don't you have any feelings like she's like, he's available? You know, like the, how fast everything is thrown mm-hmm. together like that. Just all, all of it. You just appreciate, appreciate it more and deeply. It, and it holds up really well. Yeah. You know, obviously there's a few minor things that date it here and there. But, uh, you know, overall, it just it really holds up really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, it's we're, just we're, the hairstyles and the clothes. What's that? <laughs> it's the hairstyles and the clothes. That's yeah. the only thing that really date it. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, 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 my girlfriend was saying that, yeah, Meg Ryan's hair is a character all by itself, really. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, she gets she get additional billing on the poster. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I was thinking about, yeah, what, are, what, the, what were the problematic elements, right? You, know, you, you have to judge something in the time in which it was made. Right. Sure. But looking at it now with the 2021 eye, there were there was a couple moments that jumped out. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, she's she's the ditzy blonde, right? He's the smarter one, I think, of the two. You know, I think that's a, you know, I'm not sure that that, that flies quite as well now. Um, but the other one that kind of caught my my ear was the, um, you know, the 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 joke about, uh, you know, he's he's talking about his first date back and and uh, you know he's making small talk and he. Makes a joke about you know Ethiopians, nothing to eat. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And she laughs and she finds that so charming. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if that would fly now. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I had the same reaction watching. I was like, ooh, yeah. yee, yee. I don't know. <laughs> but if that if, if if that's the limit of what's you know, jumping out, right? Uh, yeah. You know, as you say, so much of the rest of it really, really holds up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that there, uh, watching it this time, the one one of the things I I, I I doubted slightly, but then perhaps didn't was how different Billy Crystal's character is before and after being married. Hmm. And he seems like a very very he seems like a completely different person. Yeah. And I so think- I and so I can I can see where you would say, oh well, you know, he married someone he loved and got destroyed by it so that's going to change a person but also i can see where you're like boy he seems like a very like a different character altogether pre and post so i don't yeah. know that was I, that was just one thing i that sort of occurred to me i thought you that know, maybe this, he's that, that his like dark side vanishes pretty quickly yeah but i also kind of think that that's kind of the thing that we do in college when we're like sure you know sitting around thinking about things which we love to you know i mm-hmm. i always i still do that all the time but um you know to but to feel like you're deep because you're thinking just you're just thinking like oh that's mm-hmm. wow that's so cool and then you kind of get over like yeah everybody thinks all the time and everybody yeah. has interests and you know let's oh, let's and, get over it you know yeah well and related to that you know when he when he leaves her car in 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 Washington Square Park in the beginning when they when they get there from Chicago mm-hmm. and then i guess the next scene we see him in is in the airport he's wearing a suit yeah i remember i remember thinking how oh, he has a he has a job like a real job yeah. like a job <laughs> like a corporate some sort and i don't rem- i don't even, even now i don't remember did they say what it is what does he do political consultant political consultant oh, okay yep 
but he does pass the bar and go through law school pretty fast. Right. So all of that seemed a little out of character given what we knew about him up until that point. I guess I was just a little surprised. Yeah. To me, he seemed like he would be a little more aimless, you know, a little more devil may care about career stuff. Didn't seem important to him. Nothing seemed important to him in those opening scenes. So, you know, you think after five years, I was thinking maybe he'd be a little, he'd still be like that, but he wasn't really, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny how like different acting choices can really resonate. Right. And, and, and yeah. I, t- I totally see what you're saying. And, and if for me, I, I, watching him, I read him at 21 at you know, University of Chicago. Right. So it's a, you know, he's a, he's, he's clearly, you know, motivated enough to get into a, a good, good school. And watching him do his kind of, oh, I open up the book and read the last page stick with Spasali yeah. struck me as this is a 21-year-old guy trying to be cool, right? Trying yeah. to be super dark, <laughs> right? And, and almost almost trying a little too hard, yeah. right? And, but to and his credit, I, he keeps doing he, that throughout the movie, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but I think – but yeah, I agree. He did change a lot, but – you know, you got to remember. At least as I was reading the timeline, uh, you've got kind of they meet. It's five years. They, you know, or part. It's five more years. They meet, but the whole last part of the movie, I think, takes over like three months, right? And I was kind of reading it as he's just depressed from this divorce, right? Uh, you know? Well, it's two more years after that. Yeah. Second, oh, is it? yeah, it's yeah. twelve years and three months is what she says. But so I mean, they're friends yeah. for two years. Correct. That's what we're saying. Yeah, those okay. two New Year's okay. Eves, both very important. Oh, that's, fair. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I was just reading a lot of his, because uh, I agree with you, he does seem like a different person, like at the bookstore and all, you know, than he was. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's just, he's wrecked by this divorce. But yeah, you know, probably, probably doesn't work fully. So how about, how about uh, Sally's arc? Uh, does that, that resonate for you guys in terms of how she changed? Hmm. <laughs> don't know i mean so what what i was going to say about you know if we're nitpicking, nitpicking as we always do in every episode um my the one i would it's kind of subtle but and it's actually a funny a great part it's the ingrid bergman uh low maintenance spiel um yeah. apparently random house has credited this movie with popularizing high maintenance as a concept really? and as a term like the reason we still say it all the time, like this is the this is what put it on the map, according to them, um, and I and I believe that because it is used a lot, and um, it seems kind of innocuous until you think about what it means. Because, you know, this is supposed to be this is her personality. We're not talking about something you can change, and if you're if you're shallow enough, I you know I think he. At that point, again, he's letting his guard down. He's saying whatever he feels like. He just says it. You know, it's just kind of a thought like everything else he's, he does. But um, what he's criticizing is is that you're not, you know, the woman is not allowed to, like, be too fussy or too problematic or she's, you know, it's not worth it. And, and I know that's like, that's a kind of a exaggerated version of what, I mean, he wasn't saying all that, but it, but the way it's you know, the way it's kind of slid in there is, is like, well, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's funny, but it's not really that funny because it's, you know, you're also, you're judging real people versus some version from a, from a classic movie that everybody knows. And from, you know, decades ago also, let's, let's not forget that. So it's almost dated in its dated, you know, sort of reckoning of this, of these relationships. 
Yeah, I, I can I can totally see that in terms of how how this this could have been right. Just even with just the slightest more uh, acidic delivery, right? From from Billy Crystal, right? You know, you're high maintenance. You're the worst kind, right? You think you're low maintenance, but you're high maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. But he delivers it so flat. You know, he's just yeah. basically he's he's kind of informing her, and and. One yeah, thing he's, that, he's mansplaining is what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But, what, but, 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 you know, it's funny. One thing I didn't see before and I saw the other night is, is there was in that final scene, right? When they're the couple being interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's going on about the, the wedding cake and how it's important to have the chocolate sauce on the side and, and all those things, right? So the, the, the you know, and she's yes. doing the classic Sally Albright thing, right? But if you notice, he leans into the camera and he, he's agreeing with her. Right. He's yes. like, absolutely. It's important that the, the sauce does not get on because it can with a completely the straight face. Yes. I love that. Right. Part too. And, 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 and like it was like, oh, that's really neat because that's you know, married couples do that. Right. Yes. It's like they, they do. They may be different when they start, but they grow more alike over time. Right. And all of a sudden, instead of like when they first met, he's like looking at her askance when she's <laughs> ordering things on the side. Now he's right there with her shoulder to shoulder explaining to the interviewer. Now, this is why it's important to have things on the side and be more detailed. So I thought that was a really neat you know, kind of a how how married couples do grow more alike in their personalities. Yeah. It's not growing more alike. It's a, a long-term relationship becomes successful if you partway buy into the other person's craziness. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my advice for my, my relationship advice for the movie. I mean, for the review. So, so what Sal's saying is look up Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sweden. <laughs> yeah. And hey, while we're talking about Die Hard, let's talk about one of the the, the most obscure uh, double up. We have a you know, Chris. We call overlaps <laughs> from other episodes we do. We call them a double up. Um, I mean, there's the obvious ones of the director because we did Princess Bride, so Rob Reiner was in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ridley Crystal. Anyone know the other? Br- Bruno Kirby's the obvious one from uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Oh yeah. right, actually, that's mm-hmm. uh, I think that's five. The um, director of photography is an overlap, also. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry Sonnenfeld shot. Uh, oh yeah, she shot. Um, oh wow, I just lo- I lost it. Blood simple. Uh, yeah, but there's another one. Three o'clock high. Oh right, that's right. Yeah, so those two. I was talking about a, a Reiner family member. I mean, there's there's the obvious one. His Adele. mom? Yeah, yeah, there's that. There's another one. Well, his, was his daughter his niece or something? Yeah, his daughter's what? in this. Yeah. What else? Uh, is, how is that a double up? She's also in Die Hard. She is the she assistant is? to the oh. reporter. And she's like, you know, his home address right here in L.A. That's her. Right, right. That's, um, Tracy Reiner, I believe. Tracy Reiner, yeah, I think. And then she is, I, I mean, I would have never picked this out if I hadn't read it. But she is also Aunt Emily. She's the brief uh, girlfriend when they're playing Pictionary or whatever that is. Hmm. Oh. Right. She doesn't even have a line, but that, <laughs> that's her. Right. Yeah. That yeah. Aunt Emily. Right. So yeah. we also, there's one more double up. The costume designer. Oh, yeah. Is Gloria Gresham, who was the costume designer for Twins. Oh. Yep. 
Of course. Nice. Always picking up on the costume designer. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, the, the, you know, if we're going to, I feel bad because we have these interns working for us who, <laughs> you know, so if we don't, if we don't mention their work, then it's, you know, it's, this is part of the showing appreciation. <laughs> right. yeah. Sure. You know. Are you saying many Bothans have died to bring us this information? <laughs> yeah. um, did you guys catch the a minor, a minor sort of, uh, Easter egg in um, the book he, in, in the misery. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. Which Rob Reiner would then direct the following year, the film version of. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that he was reading misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Reiner had a pretty good stretch there in the eighties. You know, oh this yeah. this this movie was right in the middle of a, a, a really good run. From Spinal Tap, I mean, he also did the Sure Thing, which I have no memory of. But Stand by Me, The Princess Bride, which we mentioned, when Harry, then when Harry Met Sally, The Misery, and then A Few Good Men, which uh, you know we mentioned, we mentioned Aaron Sorkin earlier. Yeah. I mean, it all comes to a screeching halt when he directs fucking North, but you know <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> they can't all be winners. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Yeah, every now and then you shoot an air ball. <laughs> yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were kind of working on this for years because I guess they're friends and they were talking about a project and they couldn't come up with one. And and then when she, when this, when she started writing this, when they agreed on it, on the idea and she started working the script, then he's, he's doing Princess Bride and mm-hmm. all these other things while, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just a really... You know. well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like she came out of nowhere either. I mean, she had written Silkwood and Heartburn before this, mm-hmm. both, you know, good movies. And, of course, would go on to do Sleepless in Seattle. And you've got mail. I mean, every, most of the other stuff is kind of crappy, but that's all right. I mean, it's still a pretty good uh, resume. Right. I mean, she's uh, nominated for an Academy Award for the screenplay. I don't think she won it, but. Yeah. Travesty. Pretty, it is kind of a travesty. I would like to know yeah. what won instead of it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know Heartwood, but Silkwood. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Heart. Heart heartburn with heartburn, uh, Jack, yeah. Jack Nicholson. I don't, yeah, I don't know, but Silkwood. I didn't. I don't remember it for kind of snappy, witty banter, right? And that's no, no, they, no, they, no. They kind of it's far more dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sort of Norma Ray esque in that regard. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm just I looking mean, up just. Go for it. While you look that up, I mean, we should give a little little love to the casting director because Rob Reiner was like, let's get Susan Day or um, Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. <laughs> right. She was almost Albert cast, Brooks. right? She was really close. Yeah. She she had a conflict, so she couldn't do it. And then Albert Brooks was one of the people who would have been. Albert Brooks. Wow. So, yeah, if this would have been a, a. And then the other person they considered was Harrison Ford, which I don't think it would have worked. He's too, like. Like you don't not like Harrison Ford for twelve and a half years. Yeah, like that's, it just doesn't work for him to be the <laughs> unlikable person. Yeah. Or, well, but I, also, you know, his his comic range is different. Like when he tries to yeah. do comedy in Return of the Jedi, it it, it clangs. You know, like you know, it's not his. You know, I mean, I think I, there's a reason. I think they went with uh, Billy Crystal, and then they went with Tom Hanks. You know, for the follow-on romantic comedies. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's hard to see Harrison Ford pulling off this light romantic comedy. You don't think it's funny when he's blind and he's, you know, flailing around saying, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, oh. I cringed at that even when I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
or when he's uh you know he's 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 reading out his his, his list to C3PO and then you know taps him on the shoulder and well hurry up I haven't got all day. Like, oh, <laughs> well, yes. I mean, Chris, you said earlier that this is, you know, some beautiful people in New York, but one of the things I I like about it is that they're not. I mean, let's face. I mean, Meg Ryder is beautiful, granted. But Billy Crystal's not. He's not an yeah. empirically attractive man. Right. Yeah. But I love that too. I love that he's just got some chutzpah and he's got some. He's funny and, um, you know that there there's more regular people than we're used to seeing these days. Like these days, if you have a romantic comedy, it has to be somebody flaw or like it's a she's all that. Like oh, she's mm-hmm. really uh, goofy and she has awkward and has glasses. And then she takes it off and it's just, <laughs> right. You know, but yeah. this is like let's let's deal with the relationship and the and the personalities and the stuff that's behind this, not just do they, you know do mm-hmm. they have this physical chemistry kind of thing? Yeah. So hey, the I'm, um, I'm Brian Bar- I was just gonna say the um, Nora Ephron lost the uh, Oscar to Dead Poet Society, won for best oh, okay. uh, original screenplay that okay. year. But mm. it was, I mean, that's a, it was a tough category because that year it yeah. was there was Dead Poet Society, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Sex Lies and Videotape, Do the Right Thing, and When Harry Met Sally. Wow, that is strong for a nice group. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, what's weird is, like, it, it wasn't nominated for anything else, which is a little odd. In fact, the, the best picture category, the only one that was also nominated was Dead Poets Society. None of the other ones were even nominated for best picture. Hmm. Really? Do the Right Thing wasn't nominated? No. Hmm. Okay. That was early Spike Lee before he was getting the, the love he gets now. Well, I mean, Do the Right Thing is probably... What it's most people would say, the, you know, yeah, these might be, yeah, made him, you know, sort of propelled him into the spotlight. But uh, three of those movies for nominated for best picture that year are, are on my list of of things to consider uh, reviewing. Yeah, mm. Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society, My Left Foot. Okay, so. Um, so Chris, one of the things we always discuss is if this movie should be remade and, uh, I'm going to, let's put Chris on the spot. I'll just go out and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. So that, that's an easy one to answer is should it be remade? (laughs) Sure. You know, give it a shot, give it a try. Right. Um, can it be remade and, and exceed the original? Now that's a different question, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I have no idea. And of course, the follow on question is, and who would you cast? Right. And I have no idea who I would cast for those parts. But I think I think you could do a, a modern When Harry Met Sally. Right. With you know, a modern, you know, modern couple, witty banter, but talking about some of the dynamics of, of today. You could update it, I think. Mm-hmm. But but. You know, just the the chemistry of those two actors, right? And and, yeah. and Billy Crystal's kind of comic delivery, and Sean totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, he's not a classic leading man, and I think that's part of why it resonated with me as a five foot eight guy myself. I was like, you know, I could I could relate to to Billy Crystal, um, yeah. right? But just you know, the, yeah, the, the 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 quirkiness and the chemistry of those two actors, I think, is going to be the hardest part to to duplicate. And also, could it be made without Central Park, without New York City? I mean. It's kind of essential. I mean, it can, mm. but it would. I don't know if it'd lose something, but it would certainly be different, and maybe not in a good way. I mean, that's that's the primary problem with remakes is that, in an effort to put their own stamp on it, they generally discard the best things about it. 
mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, that just seems to be the way it turns out. So it would suffer for that, I think, because New York is a character in this movie. You know, they focus on it a lot. Should we have Chris answer the other question, too? Like, when is it, you know, when is the earliest you would want to watch this movie? Because I think he's kind of given us an insight in that as well. In terms of how how young? How young when you saw it first, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw it at 17, so so that that I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's right. Was, yeah. You saw it right in your wheelhouse. You said that was oh, kind yeah. of perfect. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it had, had a major impact. Again, had I seen it at 25 or you know, had I seen it at 12, right, I think it would have been very different. Yeah. I think it resonated would, with me because I watched it so many damn times. I saw it <laughs> when I was 12, when I was 17, when I was 28, you know, like that sort of thing. Sure. Hmm. Which is not really fair. Well, it's definitely a movie you can watch multiple times and get something out each time, right? And 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 uh, yeah. So anyone in the audience who hasn't seen it, you know, see it, and then then at least watch it one more time afterwards. You'll you'll get, you'll get something new from the characters. Right. Indeed. Hmm. Any more housekeeping items that we have? Uh... <laughs> uh, nope. No. So, want to know what we're doing next? I'm infinitely curious. Yes. All right. I am picking a (laughs) giant actor who we have not covered yet, still making films today. Andre the Giant? Um, Yeah, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) Superstar (laughs) literarians. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, yeah. Someone who, um, who, who uh, was on a TV show for roughly six years in the 80s before... Is it Tom Hanks? Really breaking out. That's a good guess, mm-hmm. but no. Is it... Oh, wait. Hmm. It's, you said it's, some, it's not someone we have covered? I don't... Yeah, we, really? haven't, we haven't done one of his movies yet. Mm. And... He has made great movies in every decade from the 80s, 90s to through today. He's also made some bad movies. So Will Smith? Nope, that's a good guess. Hmm. All right, let me see if... Uh... <laughs> he was in... <laughs> Chris, we, just, we the... just guess at this till it gets painfully awkward. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> okay, this will okay. give it away. He's in the other submarine movie uh oh gene, gene hackman denzel <laughs> that's washington a good guess, not what yes denzel denzel washington. Denzel. yeah yeah crimson tide right yep yeah. so but that's not the movie i picked <gasps> i picked i picked a movie i have not seen oh you. you have not seen yes it. you guys Bye. might have seen it but I, I chose devil in the blue dress oh yeah i've seen that hmm. i think i, I read the not. book too easy rollins yeah by walter was it mosley yeah, it's a good movie. All right. So, oh, Chris, we got to ask you, um, because you got suckered into this, uh, this one. Not, yeah, um, hit me. It wasn't your pick. If, if it was your pick next, what, what would you pick? <laughs> ah, one ping, silly. One <laughs> ping only. <laughs> so would it be Hunt for Red October? Yeah, yeah, Hunt for Red October. Another classic from the late 80s. Nice choice, yeah. 
All right. Well, when we do that one, or, or when we need next, 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 uh, next guest thing, or that's that's gonna be you. We'll we'll call you back for that one. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Looking for, hey, thanks, guys. This was really fun. And uh, yeah, again, I hope everybody right. uh, you know goes out and, and and sees this. It's a great film. And uh, if nothing else, you'll have the the quote from Bruno Kirby, uh, who said, you know, you made a woman meow. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is still on HBO. You can find it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's more or less it. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been the film with three brains. Well, three Adios. plus four brains. Four brains. Right on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. That, that was really fun. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah. Always fun. Yeah, Chris. Thanks. Sure. Especially since you didn't know what, exactly what you were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys were. Uh, it, it was pretty easy. Some softball pitches there. Appreciate that. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I was actually, it was funny. I was coming in expecting um, be like, you know, what the what the hell kind of guy chooses this as one of his favorite films? It was nice to find fellow fellow uh, appreciators. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't even see it as a romantic. Com- I see it as a comedy first. More than a romantic comedy. Yeah. You know? That's, yeah, because the romantic part comes only at the end. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I hate about all the the newer stuff is it, it just, they seem to fall into that formula so quickly. Or like they, they sleep together right away, you know, and all that stuff is missing. You know, all that other stuff is just like, eh, well, whatever. As long as we have the, the good friend sidekick that can be comic relief and all that, you know, all that jazz. It's just, well, it, it's tired. It's just, it, it, it's a great point because yeah, you're right. So often the, 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 the pattern is, is that there's the hormonal chemistry between them immediately, but then they have to pretend not to like each other or they mm-hmm. irritate you. Know, but so you've, you've got the, the constant chemistry going between them and then it's the will they, won't they? It's the Sam and Diane and cheers, right? It's moonlighting, right? It's that, yeah. that's the classic romantic comedy. And this one, you know, she's not into him initially, you know, right. right. <laughs> right? And they're close. really not. Yeah. yeah. And they're not, they're not, you know, and he's not, you know, he's not really into her, you know, for, for much of it. It's, it's just kind of at the end that all kind of lights off. So, yeah, yeah it, it's a very different pattern. But mm, I, know I, forgot all... to, I forgot to talk about music, too. Harry Connick Jr. Oh, right. This is his yeah. first Grammy. I mean, crap. That was a great soundtrack. <laughs> great soundtrack. Uh, we'll just have to, we can just start over. Yeah, let's just uh, take it <laughs> to the top. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Hello and welcome. Just, just, uh, just, yeah, or just, just, yeah just, just a hard edit, you know, just, you know, halfway <laughs> as we're wrapping up, all of a sudden just drop in just this new segment of audio right in the middle of it about yeah. it. some some other gems here. Yeah. You know, you're right. <laughs> Eric Cotty was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, great guys. Well, hey, thanks again. This was this was fun. Yeah, so, sure. All right. Yeah. See you, Chris. See you, Chris. All take right. care. Hey. Yeah. You too. Take all care. Right. Bye. 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 Best episode ever.